Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Latino Card. I'm Rebecca DeLeon. And I'm JJ Saldana with the Idaho Commission on Hispanic Affairs. And you are listening to us on KRBX 89.9 FM Caldwell, Boise. And for today's Latino Card episode, we have two very special guests for a change. Um, we have Ruby Mendez and Jeremy Woodson, both from the ACLU of Idaho. Ruby, Jeremy, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Welcome back, Ruby. You're becoming a veteran of our show. We love it. Yay. That's true. We love having you. So we're excited to have both of you on um, because we actually have a really uh, intense discussion planned for today. Um, and so, Ruby, what is what is your role with the ACLU again? So I am the campaign strategist with the ACLU of Idaho. Awesome. And so what, what does that mean? What do you do? So <laughs> it could be a lot of things, I guess. Um, but... What I do at the ACLU is I lead a lot of our issue-based campaigns and organizing work at the ACLU of Idaho. So you'll see me doing all from immigrant rights to criminal justice to LGBTQ issues. Um, and so it's just really leading a lot of those efforts along with our other staff members on the issues that we hear about and that we want to continue to elevate in the state. Awesome. And what, what are your biggest issues right now? So right now, as some folks may know, we are very busy with the HB 500 litigation and organizing efforts. And so we're definitely highlighting and um, elevating the importance of being inclusive for our trans community and also understanding how impactful HB 500 is for cisgender women as well. Um, We are continuously actively and... um, engaging in criminal justice work and other criminal justice issues that we've been focusing on, such as fair chance employment, um, which was introduced this last legislative session. And um, we're continuing to work with our committee um, of impacted individuals to elevate the importance of this issue. Wow, that's that's wonderful. And for those people who may not remember, since it feels like it was seven years ago now, um, earlier this year, HB 500 was the um, banning trans women in athletics bill. Um, So there were a lot of anti-trans bills that went on this legislative session. Mm -hmm. Um, HB 500 was specifically the sports related one. um, And that one is the one that the ACLU is spearheading the uh, lawsuit against. Uh, The other one, Legal Voices, is spearheading the lawsuit against. And that one is um, the the one that was a a clear um, defiance of an injunction that would make it uh, unnecessarily difficult for trans people um, to get documentation. So it was it was barring them from changing their birth certificate. Um, and I think that the ACLU is still involved in that one, but they're spearheading the sports one. Is that right? That's correct. All right. And Jeremy, what do you do for the ACLU of Idaho? <coughs> yeah, so um, I'm, I'm very close to Ruby's role, but on the communication side of things, my official title is the communications strategist. Um, so I spend a lot of time digging into the words um, and meaningful ways to talk about not only the, the advocacy the work of the ACLU, um, but also um, programmatic things that we put together um, for the community, things like trainings and uh, other public education materials. Um, and then I also help facilitate a lot of our media relations work, reaching out to members of the press, um, trying to get stories placed uh, where it's appropriate, particularly around um, different advocacy campaigns. Um, and then also just generally using uh, all the various communication channels of the, of the organization to actually execute advocacy as well. So um, we do use it as a, um, you know, as I, as I like to say, one of the tools in the toolbox to make change. 
So you guys do a lot of education. You guys educate a lot of our community members on a lot of these issues, like really hard to define issues right now. I think a lot of people are confused with a lot of the issues or not, don't understand why it's so important. So I think it's great that you guys are out there not only fighting for worthy causes, but you guys are actually explaining it to people as to why it's important mm. and why they might not even know it's affecting their neighbors or friends. So I think that's really great of you guys. Yeah, and, and I think one thing that the ACLU provides too is uh, a lot of information about um, how to Ex- express your First Amendment right to assemble, your First Amendment right to express yourself. Um, and I don't know if you've heard, but there's like this movement of sorts happening right now. <laughs> um, called It's the Black Lives Matter movement. This may be news to you. But uh, I know that the ACLU has been putting a, a lot of its resources out there. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the ACLU specifically, the ACLU of Idaho, and then the BLM <coughs> movement here in Idaho. Um, I know I just got a, a a national call or a call from a national uh, news outlet that was like, wait, BLM exists in Idaho? And I was <laughs> like, yes, it does. And they were especially surprised to hear it even existed in northern Idaho. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll be honest, I was a little surprised myself. But, you know, we have our own, our own biases and preconceived <laughs> notions of stuff. Um, so before we kind of get into, you know, a little bit of that, what, what does the ACLU of Idaho see as its role in this uh, very momentous movement? You know, we as the ACLU, we believe in the U.S. Constitution and then your first all your amendments, right? All your rights and the First Amendment is very important for us for you to be able to express yourself and to be able to um, really come out and use your, utilize your freedom of speech. And so that's something that we as the ACLU really see at the forefront of folks being able to um, go out and freely express themselves in the beliefs and in the cause that they they want to really move forward. Yeah, and I think um, if I'd add to that, you know, we're we're looking at again trying times as it relates to racial justice, um, and but this is I would say no different from any other time when we do, like Ruby said, want to make sure that folks actually understand. Uh, um, you know, their rights, which which sounds very strange, right? Like that, that you'd be like, oh, we have to make sure we understand them. But there's nothing like inherent about um, being able to comprehend, particularly when your rights have been violated. So, right. um, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this further in the discussion, but there's so much around um, why that communication, A, is important on, on, on uh, what folks uh, what their rights are and how they are protected. Um, and then also, uh, again, like kind of what are the re- different courses of action you can take um, when your rights have been violated? Because I think that that's, that's much more common what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly we can't, um, we can't change that situation by, by um, being lax on our freedoms. We can't actually move forward on some of these discussions um, if we're not making sure that we're protecting people's ability to express their dissent. And are you seeing anything here in Idaho? Because, um, you know, nationally we're seeing more and more um, people coming out and saying, well, my rights were violated here, and there's video proof of that all over, and we're seeing it nationally. Are you seeing that here in Idaho, or are you guys getting calls about that here? You know, As- Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Both minds think alike. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, we do have our intake system where folks can reach out to us and report any kind of violations that folks do feel that um, they 
their freedom of speech has been violated. Um, we are tracking those and we are definitely wanting to be aware of what's going on in the community but again it comes back to the educational piece like folks don't know what to do in those situations Mm -hmm. right and being (laughs) able for them to accurately document and understand what is the process for me to be able to um, report a violation of my own freedom of speech yeah and and you know I guess the only addition I I have to that as it specifically relates to um, obviously what's been going on around the state and around the country in the last few weeks, um, the short answer is yes. I mean, we've had folks reach out um, about everything from uh, having problems uh, obtaining or in some cases having their permits revoked uh, and uh, in some cases uh, during times when other groups are allowed to be <laughs> to, uh, to go out and to stage a protest or an action. Um, and we've also seen um, an escalation of uh, law enforcement tactics as it relates to the response um, to some of the actions we've seen around the state. So, um, yes, we, we have seen an uptick um, in in. Um, I won't call them violations, but um, in some of those problems. Uh, but I think it's important to stress what Ruby just said, which is, you know, we're, we're always trying to monitor for when folks are um, either perceiving or having problems uh, uh, executing, you know, anything as it relates to their rights. Um, so we always encourage folks, you know, we have an intake form uh, that is uh, online available to the public. Um and uh, I would even say, you know, if, if that doesn't work for you, if there's if, if you don't have a computer um, and you're having problems uh, even accessing, being able to do that, uh, certainly reach out to us. We will work with you. We'll find out a way for you can uh, so you can make that intake securely. Are those and forms available in Spanish by chance? They are. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, not only in Spanish. I, I want to say we have a, I want like seven or eight languages. That's awesome. Um, and if and if we do not have a language. um uh, that that you need to be able to fully comprehend the full breadth of that intake process, please let us know. We'll work with you to get it done. Awesome. And I know that our radio listeners can't potentially tell, um, but Jeremy, you are black. And <laughs> I'm very, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Whoa. So we are, I really want to, I want to s- hear from you about how you feel um, being a black person in Idaho during this movement and being a part of the ACLU. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll we'll let you um, answer that here after we take a very short break. Uh, but don't go anywhere. We'll hear from Jeremy, our uh, resident not white person. <laughs> Hi, welcome back to uh, today's episode of The Latino Card. I'm Rebecca DeLeon. And I'm JJ Saldana. And we're here um, talking about the Black Lives Matter movement with Ruby Mendez and Jeremy Woodson from the ACLU. So we're so glad to have you all both here. Um, but Jeremy, I, I wanted to ask you specifically as um, you you are a black man. You are a, a father now. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you are a, a father of a, of a black child. Um, what what are your feelings as you as you watch what's happening in Idaho specifically and and your role uh, at the ACLU. What what are what are you making of all of this? Yeah, uh, thanks for the question. I think um, there's there's multiple multiple I guess avenues or, or, or trains of thought when uh, it comes down to this. I think the first thing is I'm I'm actually from South Minneapolis and uh, frequented 
uh, you know, in this case, the location, 38th in Chicago uh, in South Minneapolis. I was there on that same block. <laughs> I can't tell you how many wow. times as a kid. Uh, I've been in that store. I've talked with the owners uh, as well. Um, and so, you know, my mother still lives there uh, as long as uh, as well as a lot of other family members. So I think there's there's that. Uh, relationship to it I think that is difficult you're thinking about uh, these images that are coming in and you're seeing your home uh, you're seeing people that you know um, you're seeing places that are very dear uh, uh, certainly uh, to you in, in the memory of, of growing up and your adolescence and whatnot um, and that's very hard because you're here <laughs> in my case I, I now live in Idaho um, and have been living here for a while so um, I think there's that piece of it. And, and, and that's more connected to wanting to reach out to the community that I know um, and make sure that they're safe and that they're taken care of, uh, while also obviously being able to express uh, uh, their discontent with the situation there. Uh, from an advocacy standpoint, uh, there's an added layer of having to go and do work every day um, that is uh, by nature intense, by nature reactionary. Um, and I have to carry my full self into that work while this is all going on. And actually, you know, in some cases it's great because we get to directly speak to that. Um, I'm very grateful to, to have a great staff here uh, in Idaho, my, my colleagues or squad, as I like to call them, uh, <laughs> to just make sure that we're able to take care of each other in that regard, aside from the advocacy work. Um, you know, for me, I'm very motivated to continue the work. I've always been driven by so by racial justice work, um, in addition to the other issues that we work on. So, um, for me, it's a motivator in that way. Do I need to take time and heal, um, and, and make sure that I'm present for my family? Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, that might look different for a different person, but for me personally, I think, you know, there, there is some motivation there to continue the work. That being said, the ACLU is far from perfect um, and how we um, sometimes approach these uh, issues, particularly around racial justice. I also think that um, um, the ACLU is a very privileged organization and that we have a lot of clout. We have um, a lot of you know power, uh, frankly. So we have to be very responsible with that power. Uh, and not only the way that we direct our advocacy, but also in how we attach uh, that name, that power, that influence to uh, the most impacted communities um, that are, that kind of are, are uh, surrounding um, and involved in the, the, the actual advocacy. So um, if we're not doing that, then fundamentally as an organization and personally uh, as a black American, uh, we're not doing uh, any community justice, in this case, the black community, but um, I would say the same thing about any issue <laughs> and, the, and the folks that are most impacted by it. So um, moving forward, I think that's a that's going to be a big, big uh, goal and a big challenge, not just for organizations like the ACLU, um, but also for kind of the more regional or even statewide smaller organizations that are that are wrapping their heads around um, what's going on now and really trying to figure out how to make change. Um, and so I encourage anybody listening Today, uh, if, if there's a role that you feel that the ACLU can play, certainly we're digging into this right now. And, and I, Ruby can attest we've had meeting after meeting mm -hmm. uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, 
But uh, I think it stands to reason that uh, there's also some work that we need to do in terms of making sure that we have the right connections to the community um, and, and, and uh, educating ourselves on what those needs look like for the state of Idaho um, and then moving forward in, in tandem and in followership with those communities. You know, that's thank you for saying all of that. That was that was really helpful and very impactful, I think. A um, couple of things that I, I got from that. Number one. I had no idea that you had family in Minneapolis. <laughs> However, you are wearing a hat with Minnesota on it. Yeah. And it's all coming together for me now. <laughs> go go <first. laughs> But that, I mean, that must be uh, so hard for you to watch what's happening from here, knowing that you have family in that area. Um, yeah. So, so power to you and your family mm, for for that um, at this at this difficult time um, you know but this really brings up a very good question you mentioned too that the ACLU is a very well recognized organization mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot of, of of really big names big name organizations and companies right now that are trying to respond to uh, the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. um, and a lot of them have done very well and a lot of them have fallen short uh, and I think that it's it's a very good time for both individual people and companies, organizations, nonprofits, et cetera, to mm. really examine how they themselves can be an actual ally and not fall to this sort of performative sort of um, fake solidarity, I mm. guess you could call it. Um, so and, and this is a question for either you or you, Jeremy and, and Ruby. Um, but what do you, what advice would you give to organizations that think that they get it, but they don't? Ooh. That's a great question. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, JJ. <laughs> no pressure here. <laughs> yeah, Ruby, you want this? <laughs> <laughs> Let's rock, paper, scissors. Let's see. <laughs> you know, I think uh, a huge thing and uh, that we, or I believe, is we need to listen. I think organizations need to listen and understand what the community is asking and understanding how the community wants them to be involved and how they can utilize the resources and platforms to be able to elevate the messaging that the community is providing out um, to to the rest of the world. If you, Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... I think from an umbrella standpoint, right, like big picture, um, check your blind spots. It's the same thing that I would tell anybody who cares about any issue and actually wants to make change on it. Think about who you're leaving out. Think about who's not at the table um, and then chase that and make sure that, you know, those folks, those entities are there. Um, Coalition work is really difficult. Um, I think that uh, it is also kind of hard when you have discrepancies in the folks that you are advocating for um, and then the actual leadership uh, or um, or kind of core um, uh, steering committees look different. Right. So, if <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, from a large standpoint, you have to take a look at that. If, if the folks you're advocating for don't look like the people that are in the room making those decisions, uh, it can be difficult to have positive results. Mm-hmm. When I think if you have a platform and you get called out on something you say, um, I think you should probably take a step back and listen. I think mm-hmm. that's really, really important. 
Yeah, and I think um, part of that requires swallowing your pride a little. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have a really hard time doing that. I certainly have a really hard time doing it. I don't mm-hmm. know if I've ever actually done it before. Mm-hmm. But yeah. now, <laughs> <laughs> now now would probably be a good time. So I have a... I, I, I have another question, and I want to make sure that this conversation stays centered on who it should be centered, which is the black community fighting for their right to live freely in this country. Um, having said that, this is the Latino card, and we do have to insert ourselves a little bit. I want to know how Latino people or the Latinx community can be a good ally in this fight. And so um, this is a big question. We'll give ourselves a few minutes to take a few deep breaths, and we'll come back here in a, in a short bit and discuss that question. Thank you, and welcome back to the Latino card with Rebecca De Leon. And JJ Saldana. And our two very special guests, Ruby Mendez and Jeremy Woodson from the ACLU. So in this conversation about Black Lives Matter, um, I will start out by saying that I have been pretty disappointed in general with the Latinx response um, to this. I think that um, there there is a lot to be said about colorism, um, white privilege, um, and anti-blackness within the Latinx community. And that's really coming out right now. Um, you know, and so I see a lot of Latinx people who are trying to be allies. And then I see a lot of them who are who are not. And they're using their position as another, an ethnic minority group to, um, to paint themselves as like, well, I get to talk about this in a way that a Caucasian person cannot. When in reality, um, you know, ethnicity is different than race. And so if you are Latinx and you have all of your genes going back all the way seven generations coming from Mexico or whatever, you still have probably white passing privilege because your race is still white or white and indigenous. It is not black. If it is black, then you are part of this. If you're you're a black and Afro-Latino is the term. If you're Afro-Latino, you are part of the Black Lives Matter movement. And you're also part of the Latinx um, movement. So... I see too much of the people who are coming out against it, who are Latinx, and I am so disappointed. And that is not where we need to be standing, right? We don't need to be standing against the black community. We need to be standing next to them. And I agree with just about everything Rebecca said. And I would add that um, a lot of what I'm seeing, too, is a lot of Latinx leaders who are staying quiet and not saying anything. And I think your silence is deafening because you this is not the time to be silent right now. And I think we need to have more of our Latino leaders being out there, being loud, holding hands with all of our brothers and sisters out there. Yeah. So, I mean, Jeremy and and Ruby, I would love to get your thoughts on this. Ruby, you specifically have worked within the Latino community in the Treasure Valley for so many years. Mm -hmm. What, what are you seeing? What are your thoughts? And, and how do you see us better stepping up to be stronger allies? You know, it's a question that I've, you know, I myself as a identified Latina, Latinx um, community member. And I think one thing that we just as a community need to talk about, even with our family members. And, you know, I I say this because I'm going through this with my family members is like addressing anti-blackness and acknowledging that within our own Latinx history, there has been centuries, centuries of anti-blackness um, in the community dated back, far back of blanquismo, right, of trying to whiten the community. And this all has been government-led, socially, 
economically led um, to mejorar la raza, to improve the community, mm -hmm. right? And, or the race. And it's just something that we in our community need to talk about, that this is still very prevalent in, within our Latin American communities. And that, you know, we, we um, tend to ignore that history, right? Of how, our black and indigenous communities have contributed to our Latin American um, progress, right? Because it all has been erased through colon colonialism and colonismo and <laughs> We're bilingual, here. bilingual here, right? The Love Latino it. card and um, and being able to understand the like have a very conscious effort of understanding that the word Latinidad needs to be standing in solidarity with the black community and to understand that Latinidad cannot exist without the blackness of of the, that community. Yeah, I, I mean, you're exactly right. And that was beautifully said. I know that I myself have obviously been struggling too with my what should I do? How, how can I best be an ally? And a lot of the things that I hear with I think our, our entire community, um, the Latinx community, is also struggling. And a lot of things that I hear is like, well, um, you know, where, where was the black community when our children were being murdered on the border? And that is absolutely, first of all, not where you should be going with it. And second of all, um, they were there. So there, I actually... Um, recently listened to a different podcast <gasps> i know shut up <laughs> <laughs> it's called cafe con chisme and it, i mm -hmm. highly recommend listening to mm -hmm. their latest one because they really i mean they got the receipts they go into the history of why um, black and brown communities historically have been so good at working together mm -hmm. and really we're fighting for the same thing and and do do Latinx people not think that if we are able to reform the police as a result of Black Lives Matter, that it won't benefit Latinx people as well. Right. And if you mm -hmm. have been attending the immigration rallies and if you have been there, you have seen that there are black people there mm -hmm. and they do show up for us. And I highly recommend listening to that. Um, but Ruby and Jeremy, what, what do you have to say to this? Um, the, the last bit that I'll get in there is that the only reason why um, sometimes the Latinx, a.k.a. brown, quote-unquote, people and black people are pitted against each other is because that helps white supremacy and it helps the, the majority state in mm. power. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, mm -hmm. that that's kind of what was resonating for me um, and just hearing how the conversation has developed, you know, um, and, and I think I would uplift again, even starting with the fact that we actually have a very long, very rich history of our communities working um, hand in hand in tandem because so there are so many intersections about what our communities have to deal with on a regular basis um, that is that is on the margin. So, um, you know, I want to I want to make sure I uplift that, <laughs> that piece <laughs> one more time. Like this isn't a new framework that we're working from. Um, I, I, I can't point out how many uh, different locales around the country where, where we actually see beautiful celebrations of that. Um, at any rate, um, the, the other piece uh, to your point, Rebecca, is, um, I mean, in a nutshell, yes, so much, um, so much about movement, so much about creating change um, and the solidarity that that takes between communities um, it, it is such that like you, 
if you would like to destroy that or if you would <laughs> like to break that down, it starts by uh, internal division. And so, um, you know, and that's just movement. That's just movement uh, rules, I guess, if you will. Um, and we see that time and time again, not only uh, as it relates to black and brown relations, uh, but also as it relates to black and black relations. We've seen all types of factions. Uh, I have activist friends in Minneapolis and St. Paul and the Twin Cities, I could tell you over and over again, uh, times where uh, outside entities came in and, and kind of sowed seeds of doubt within their group. So um, absolutely. So much of. Uh, um, you know, I could go on and on, but so much of, of kind of the way to break these things down um, is to get in and and pit folks against each other. And you're absolutely right. It props up the system. It props up the status quo. It props up white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I hope I'm not um, cutting you off too early, but we are running mm. up on our time. Of course. Ruby, do you do you have any last thoughts on that? You know, I think just a general message for our Latinx community like we just need to step up and we need to recognize and um, acknowledge that we come from a history of anti-blackness and that we need to break, start breaking those trends. And um, it's hard work, but we need to do the hard work for us to be able to unite and to be able to collaborative work on these issues that are so important for us and for all of us. I agree. There's power in unity. Mm-hmm. And I think we all need to unite right now. And with that, I would like to officially say that um, the Latino card definitely stands alongside the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, We have zero dollars and zero resources to invest in this movement. Um, So we will invest what we can. And that is ourselves, our energy and our passions. Uh, And so this won't be the last time that you hear about the Black Lives Matter movement from us. um, And we will not apologize. And with that, we would like to wrap up today's episode. Thank you so much, Jeremy and Ruby. Thank you so much for coming. It was very last minute and that's on me. but we, we were so happy to have you here. If you would like to follow the Latino card, um, we are on Twitter and we're kind of only on Twitter. But you can follow us at the Latino card and we'll see you all next time. Hasta luego.